Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada Ryan and Jason. Welcome to another episode of the Worst of the Best Podcast. I'm your host, and with me today, of course, is Jason, my brother. Jason, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good Good to record with you, as always. Just a reminder, uh, we would appreciate it if you'd like us on your podcast apps of choice. Please give us a like and a rating. Send us an email if you'd like our show. Tell us what you think. Give us a topic that you might think we should cover. We would appreciate that. But thank you for taking the time to listen to us. We do appreciate that. And hopefully everyone has had a wonderful holiday over this holiday season. And also just a reminder, the episode following this one will be Best Celebrity Deaths of 2023. We are still recording this just before the year ends. So we want to make sure we grab everybody that's available to die in 2023. We want to make sure they have their chance to die, become a part of our list. Now, Jason said, oh, Ryan, did you hear? One of the Dixie Chicks died. And I'm like, what? Now, he's right. But this is what we're going to do with our list. And I want to be clear, because Jason had to tell me who the name was and how come I've never heard of this person, why does it sound like I haven't heard of this person? The names on the list will be people that Jason and I kind of like, yeah, we know who they are without having to really google they're a part of our life to some degree we saw their tv shows listen to their music sort of thing because they're gonna have to be the best celebrity deaths there's a lot of celebrities and famous people who died over the year we don't know every single person without googling so it's kind of like without googling do we know who they are so anyways the dixie chicks person people are like who who died yeah you're probably wondering too dear listener she was the lead singer her name was what was her name again jay laura lynch yeah so it's kind of interesting she was the lead singer of the dixie chicks for their first three albums that didn't have any kind of commercial success. So the Dixie Chicks, um, I don't know the reason why, but Laura left the band. She was one of the founding members, uh, and she was the lead vocalist. She left the band in 1994 after their first three albums. And then the band hired Natalie Maines, who everyone knows now, and she's the short-haired or you know the blonde-haired lead singer of the band. And they had their breakthrough album in 1998, which was officially their fourth album. But I think a lot of people just assumed it was their first album. So it's kind of unfortunate that both Laura has now passed away tragically, and she never got to be part of the big break. Is that kind of sad? You know what I mean? Can you imagine oh, yeah. you're replaced by a different lead singer, and now your band's huge? But, Jay, do you want to quickly say how she died? Yeah, she died uh, head-on collision. Uh, a vehicle um, was passing another vehicle in the oncoming traffic. There was no division, like divider on the highway. And the head-on collision, and apparently she died uh, instantaneously. All right, so there's a little tease of the kind of coverage we're going to do next episode yeah uh, if this is the information that you want to have then please look for that episode yeah absolutely and thankfully the person that we're covering today is alive and well this is an actor that jason and i both enjoy the world has enjoyed somebody that despite his handsome looks that has not hurt his career i would say it might have even helped his career but sometimes jason people when they're good looking they're almost written off as an actor. Actually, ironically, this has kind of happened to Brad to some degree. He has been, sorry, yeah, we're talking about Brad Pitt, of course, title of the episode. Jay, would you agree that his looks to some degree has made critics a little bit harder on him to some degree until he's finally proved his worth as an actor? What do you think? 
Hmm. I, I really don't know how. Yeah, possibly. I've always heard good things about him. I haven't really heard anything that negative towards him. No, I don't think it's negative. I don't. You're right. I don't mean this negative in the sense of. I mean, he's been in some lousy movies. Every actor has, but I just they're not so maybe not so quick to be like to give him a glowing review. I feel like he's just had to prove himself just a little yeah. bit more to some degree. I think there's a little bit of bias because of his looks. People might think, oh, he's just the leading man because of his looks. Right. And what I love about Brad, and we'll go over, of course, some of his films, is how many of these films he does not play on the looks. In fact, some of the films that aren't on the list, i.e. Meet Joe Black, where he's just like a gorgeously handsome throughout the film, is one of his you know biggest box office failures and not really that great of a film where he plays a dead person in the film you know he was very handsome in that film it was kind of peak brad pitt looks that film didn't do very well but i think it kind of played to his um, his looks and his how he looks on screen regarding this list i know there's going to be people who are going to be like how come you didn't have this one how come you didn't look he has a lot of great films and they're great for different reasons but what jay and i did here is we there's some films that jason's seen that i have and vice versa but even though jay hadn't seen a few of these films but i had there's no way they couldn't make the list when we get to those films we'll explain why there's just no way that even though jay hadn't seen some of these films i'm like jason you have to understand this has to go on the list or people are just going to write us millions of letters brad pitt fans are going to shower us with negative comments on our youtube channel if we don't say certain films so they had to be on there despite jason not seeing them there's actually one film yeah. that i hadn't seen that Jason had seen. So that's kind of, Oh, okay. I'd be curious to yeah. see who that one is. I, yeah. I don't even know what that one is. Now I'll, I'll be honest. I am not the movie buff that yeah. Ryan is. And I think I view movies slightly differently and I often will leave a movie. The movie's good based on how I feel. Yeah. I don't yeah, remember right. all the details. I don't remember all the nuances. I know Ryan, you, you do podcasts on Rambo and Rocky three and you join other people and you talk about movies like you did one with somebody and you guys were talking about the gladiator movie, which I absolutely love. And I really enjoyed the recap of that movie because I also had very similar feelings about it being fantastic movie but i don't have the memorization the way that you can recall the details i leave with impressions i leave with feelings and so that's how i view movies so as we go through this list you're going to do the lion's share of the lifting today you know as you usually do because my recap of watching movies is a little bit different my ability to articulate some of the different nuances in movies is different than the way that you view movies but i have for the most part, enjoyed Brad Pitt's career. I have enjoyed the movies that we're going to talk about. Let's get into it. Yeah, this is not a quote-unquote movie review episode per se. We're going right. to do yeah. a quick breakdown of what the film was about just to remind our listeners, oh yeah, that film. Or And I'm like you with this list too, Jay. I think a lot of this will just be how did I feel? What was the aesthetic of the film? Why was it so cool? Or why was Brad so cool in the film? Or yeah, just memories of certain films. I'm going to have a couple thoughts on some of the memories of the film's yeah, this is not a movie review episode, but of course, Brad Pitt is an actor, so we're breaking down his films. So these are films, again, that are top-rated by critics and fans alike, so keep that in mind. So some some of the ones that were missed on the list, and people are like, I can't believe you didn't put this one on the list. Let me just go through a few of them that come to mind here. So one of my first films I ever saw Brad Pitt, and it almost made the list, it was one of his earliest films, and when I saw this film in the theaters, I didn't know who Brad Pitt was. Now, he had been in a film before this film, Spoiler, I don't want to say too much, but he was in a film before this film that was quite a box office hit. It kind of broke Brad Pitt. But when I saw this film in the theater, 
I only saw it because I was always a film buff, especially in my teenage years. I just liked the trailer when I saw this trailer. I liked the aesthetic of the trailer. I was like, man, this looks like a very interesting drama. The movie was called A River Runs Through It. Have you ever seen that one? I haven't. Okay, it's a really beautiful film. I've heard good things about it. So Brad Pitt was the second build star. It also had Tom Skerritt and Craig Sheffer, who kind of, good actor, but he kind of just kind of faded away. So Craig Sheffer was actually the top build actor of this film. A very low-key, small film, but it was directed by Robert Redford. I was like, I just want to go see this film. So funny enough, I became a Brad Pitt fan off the film A River Runs Through in 1992. So it did not make the list, but it's a good honorable mention. So that's kind of how I became a fan. So I'd be kind of curious who became fans of Brad Pitt from what film. So for me, Ryan, it was A River Runs Through in 1992 film directed by Robert Redford. <laughs> then I saw California. And I actually remember seeing California because, again, because of Brad Pitt. It's like, oh, cool. And I also saw California because it uh, starred David Duchovny, and I was a big X-Files fan. So I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. And, of course, in that movie, Brad Pitt plays a murderer, a killer. So that's kind of a, a fun film for Brad. I don't know if you remember that film at Juliet Lewis. I well. do. Like, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I never saw it, or I don't think I saw all of it. Not a very yeah. good film. It's not a very good film. It's almost straight DVD okay. quality. I think it did have a limited theatrical release. Even when I saw it in 93, I saw it on VHS at home. I rented the oh. film. So it was all right. It was kind of interesting. Again, Brad Pitt was a new actor. I was like, this guy's going somewhere. Again, he wasn't the Brad Pitt that we know today. And then he had a great cameo in the film True Romance. Remember that film True Romance? I just the name. Who was the main actor in that? That was with Christian Slater was the Christian the Slater, guy. yeah. And yeah. Patricia Arquette. Great fun film. I think it's definitely worth watching. You haven't seen it in a while, Jay. But so anyways, Brad Pitt had a very, very small role, but it's one of the most memorable roles of it's a very small role. He just played this stoned dude on the couch at Clarence's house. He was this stoned dude talked to James Gandolfini's character when he came to to uh, find out where Clarence was. And anyway, people who know the film know what I'm talking about. It's a very fun little sequence of scenes that he did. Again, he still wasn't the Brad Pitt that we know today. But uh, you can start seeing with these films and the characters that he played that people are like, oh, he's breaking out. So he had a river runs through California, True Romance, which, again, small role where he played the character Floyd. But now he's hitting a big, folks. We're going to get into those films. But some of the other ones later in his career that didn't make the list, they're decent, fun films such as Sleepers, The Devil's Own with Harrison Ford. Not a great film, but still kind of cool to see Brad and Harrison Ford together. Mm -hmm. This one almost made the list seven years in Tibet. It's a beautifully shot film. It's one I haven't revisited in a while. Maybe I should go back, but it was nicely shot. Great acting by Brad, but kind of not very, I don't know, it's kind of boring. You're not very engaging. yeah. We talked about Meet Joe Black. And then he was in that movie, speaking of James Gandolfini, he happened to star with him again in the movie called The Mexican. That was a dark comedy adventure film and had Julia Roberts as his girlfriend or wife in that film. I don't know if you ever saw that one, 2001, The no. Mexican. And then speaking of Robert Redford, he started with Robert Redford in the same year, a movie called Spy Game. Again, another kind of low-key, not a great film. But these are, again, these are decent films. Brad Pitt is never really in a horrible film because he's just good in films, but the film around him isn't that great. So Spy Game is kind of an example of that. One film that we didn't put on the list, Jay, and it's actually one of the ones that are, it was critically enjoyed, but I don't really consider Brad to have a starring role in this film. It's, he also was a producer of the film. It was a 12 Years a Slave. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't, no. Yeah, so 12 Years a Slave was, um, you know, of course, about the slavery. is a biographical drama. It was produced by Brad Pitt, but did you know that he actually has another Academy Award, not for Best Actor or Supporting Actor, for Best Picture? 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. He's, I don't remember that, yeah. So Brad Pitt, being a producer, 
When, so yeah. when a movie wins Best Picture, the producer actually picks up the award. It's not the director. It's not the actress. It's actually the producers that pick up those Oscars. I don't know if people knew that. So yeah. when a movie wins Best Picture, it's uh, unless the director produced the film as well, which is why a lot of producers or directors are producers, just in case it wins Best Picture, they'll get to win the mm-hmm. award. Yeah, Brad Pitt, he won Best Picture for that. So it could have almost been on here, but I don't think it really starred Brad Pitt so much. He was in it, but he didn't have a huge role. Another fun film that didn't make the list – Almost made the list, but kind of panned by critics. Didn't do that well at the box office. So fans, you could say, even though they might have enjoyed it, it didn't really. But I would say this is the closest one that almost made the list, Jay. Fury. Did you ever see that war movie, Fury, about the tanks? No. Good film. It's a, it is it is a good film. Really dark in the sense of like it's just obviously it's a war film. A lot of uh, intense drama. It's good. It's just it's not saving Private Ryan type good in that sense, but it's well filmed, well acted by all the actors. But there's something missing from that film. I don't know what the, what it is, but some sort of heart or soul seems to be missing from it. But well shot and well acted. But it doesn't leave you in tears, really. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't know. Something. There's an emotional element that misses, is missing from the film. It's almost too action-y. I think that's the failing part of it. The action sequences are very good and it's very intense. But that's what it, it almost feels more like an action film that, to some degree than an actual just like a war film. And one that I haven't seen... And it would have made the list if we'd both seen it. This is why this is not on the list. Was The Big Short. Yeah, I have not seen that. This one was like well received by critics and by fans. But this is one of those films that just slipped through my cracks. It has Christian Bale in it, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, huge cast. Hmm. It won many awards. It's interesting that we haven't seen it. So people are like, shame on you guys. But there's just no way we can even speak to it because we both haven't seen it. Okay, and the last one we're going to talk about really quickly here, which I quite enjoyed. It kind of fell under the radar, but it's on streaming. I believe it's on Netflix. Bullet Train. It came out 2022. I started it, and I was like, I didn't really feel like it was going. It took a while, and I was like, eh. I just didn't, couldn't get myself invested in it. But did it turn out to be okay? Or Yeah, it's fun. And here's the thing. This is why I wouldn't make the list anyways, even if we'd both seen it. It's a fun film. Brad's fun in it. It's almost like a character from his previous film. Some, yeah. It's, I recognize Brad, as, yeah. Yeah. Very Brad yeah. He's very Brad Pitty in this, which is fun. He's fun in it. He's kind of just Brad Pitt having fun in this film. It's not really a character type film, but it is a lot of fun. I, I think it's good, but it doesn't break new ground. And lastly, he was in a big film called Babylon, which I haven't seen yet i think that might be a bit of a slug to get through but it's one i'm kind of interested in watching it's about the excesses of hollywood yeah now that you say that yeah that actually looks kind of interesting because i like the fact that's a in a different era yeah it's a different era and it's different like different vibe the, all the craziness of hollywood and things like that yeah um, yeah yeah I think our list is pretty fair. The ones that we do have on the list, uh, those are the reasons why some of the ones didn't make the list. I think, again, they're fair arguments. People rarely agree with all of our choices, but that's okay. So without further ado, Jay, let's get into it. I think we got the intro figured out pretty good. So it's released in 2005. Mr. and Mrs. Smith is an American action comedy directed by Doug Lyman. The movie features Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie portraying a seemingly mundane married couple who, to their surprise, discover they are rival assassins assigned to eliminate each other by their respective agencies. I mean, right there, I'm laughing. Yeah. It's a funny premise. You're happily married. You guys live completely private, uh, at least occupational lives. And then you find out that you're to kill each other. Do you know how that's funny? <laughs> yeah, it's a great premise. <laughs> it's a great premise. Beyond its commercial success, the film also marked the beginning of Pitt and Jolie's off-screen relationship, premiering in the U.S. on June 10th, 2005. 
The movie garnered mixed reviews from critics, but went on to amass a worldwide box office collection of $487.3 million. It wasn't really special effects weren't crazy. I know there was like explosions and guns and ammunition and stuff. It's basically two actors, basically. Mm -hmm. You're paying for their wages. I'd like to know what the budget was. Well, the budget was 110 million, so pretty high budget wow. back then. Oh. But it, it made four times its budget, so it definitely made its yeah, money like back. a profit of over 300 million. Just so people can understand that, even like 2005 was 18 years ago, and of course, the markets have changed. So to give you an idea, had this movie been released today, we're not going to do this with every film. This kind of just gives you an idea of how big this film was. Had it, this movie been released today and and sold the same amount of tickets that it did then today, it'd be a worldwide box office hit of $760 million mm. to give you some perspective. So that definitely a box office hit. Yeah, Angelina Jolie and I mean, it's a whole other podcast and Brad Pitt's marriage and the relationship with the kids. So it's kind of sad. I mean, we're not going to delve too much in Brad's life, but I, you know, what I do like about Brad Pitt to a certain degree is he seems to pretty much have steered clear from a lot of controversy i mean no one's perfect i mean there were some accusations that he was stern with some of his kids which like, give me a break he lost his cool on maddox on a plane or something that was a big thing i don't know just be thankful we don't have cameras everywhere we go oh my gosh and I know. people and people reporting on every single nuanced uh, negative gotta, experience gotta, yeah i agree and i got a feeling angela jolie might not be the easiest person to live with i got this i don't know what it is <laughs> yeah i'm very sure she's probably difficult I can envision her doing a very good job of pushing buttons. Can we all agree that Brad and Jennifer were the best couple? They should have. I don't know. I don't know. And I think there's something about those two. It's too bad. Anyways, hashtag Brennifer or Bradifer, whatever they call each other. Yeah, great film, a fun film. Uh, Despite some of their off-screen drama later in their life, they were definitely uh, charismatic on screen together. You felt the tension. They felt the sexual tension in real life and what they had on screen. Uh, fun film, fun action film. Great, Jay. Okay, so speaking of kind of a, not action per se, but a very well, action-packed film, one that I personally quite love. This one kind of had mixed reviews, too, with the critics to a certain degree. I think it did fairly well at the theaters. I think it's one that worth reinvestigating by people. I think they need to go back and watch this again. It came up the year before, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. This was 2004's Troy. And what made this one kind of interesting for me, Jay, was that Brad Pitt didn't really play a bad guy, per se, because Eric Bana's character in the film was kind of the moral compass of the film. He's the gladiator uh, played by Russell Crowe, that type of character, you know, that type of personality. So it was hard to root for Brad, but they just came from different parts of the world, different parts of uh, reasons to fight. So the more I rewatched this film, you're not pro-Brad, but you're not anti-Brad, which is the very telling for his character, I mean. So it's very good indication of his acting, the story right into this film. It was released in 2004. It's a grand historical war film. It was directed by Wolfgang Peterson. The movie boasts a huge cast, of course, Brad Pitt, Eric Bana, Sean Bean, and Orlando Bloom. It drew inspiration from Homer's Iliad. So in the narrative, Achilles leads the Greek forces, including his mere Midens against the legendary city of Troy, which is defeated by Hector's Trojan troops. So interestingly, the film's conclusion is the fall of Troy. It doesn't stem from Iliad, but rather from Quintus Semirinus's work post-Homerotica. The Iliad wraps up the Hector's demise and subsequent funeral. So Brad Pitt, of course, played Achilles because there's that scene where in the film where Orlando Bloom's character, again with the bow and arrow, <laughs> a la Lord of the Rings, uh, shoots Brad Pitt through the Achilles heel. Yeah. And Eric Bana plays Hector. And what made this film so cool was the fight. 
again, rewatch this film, folks. The fight against Brad and Eric, their sword fight, was stellar yeah. and epic. It's so sad when Brad kills Eric's character, Hector. You really feel for Hector's death in this film. And you don't hate Brad for doing it. He just comes from a different ideal. And he just happened the best Hector in the sword fight. Very cool film. I really enjoyed it. Troy. I like the fact that they were able to go to a whole bunch of different locations. I like it when movies utilize locations. A location scout. You know, the cinematography, the background is legit. It adds so much to a movie for, for myself. You know, when you're doing those type of movies... You want the landscape in the background to feel like you're there. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. So, Jason, uh, you've got the next one. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the movie Snatch. Do you remember watching this one, Ryan? Yeah, I do. Absolutely a fun movie. Absolutely a fun movie. So, in this one, uh, Guy Ritchie. This is the first time I ever heard of Guy Ritchie. This is where the movie that I was introduced to him. But he did Lock, Stock, and Loaded. I was familiar with that movie, but I hadn't seen it until like afterwards. But that was the kind of the movie that I first heard of Guy Ritchie, but this is the first movie that I had watched that he actually directed. Brad Pitt shines brightly as Mickey O'Neill, an enthralling Irish traveler. His role in this crime comedy showcases Pitt's boundless energy, wit, and charm. He deftly adopts a dense accent, adding an element of delightful unpredictability to his character. Pitt's captivating presence and spirited performance further underscore his versatility establishing him as a leading actor capable of mastering diverse roles across genres. If you remember, this was just a year after Fight Club, and mm-hmm. Brad Pitt didn't want to do this film because he's boxing again in this film, or he's fighting in this film. Oh, so if you yeah, recall, yeah. his character was and he was like, oh, I just did a film about, no, not right. boxing per se, but throwing my fists around. There's some, yeah, there's some fight scenes in this, very similar. But he, he said he couldn't turn it down. Because the role was just too juicy, too good. Working with uh, Guy Ritchie, very up-and-coming, fun director at the time. Pitt was like, this character is just too much fun. So despite the boxing elements of the character, I can't turn down this role. I love this role, too, because this is a movie where watching with the captions, because he is talking, he's saying words, but if you put the captions on, it actually captions everything he says, so you can actually understand what he's saying. Otherwise, I didn't understand. When I saw yeah, his he accent was strong. Yeah, his accent was very strong. He did a great job with it, and that's a great movie. This is an understated movie. That's I haven't funny. seen it in years. I suspect it's held up very well. It is funny, and you got some uh, a great supporting cast in that movie too. Yeah, like um, Benicio del Toro's in that, I believe. Yes, He's yeah, great. it is funny. Brad Pitt, I think, yep. does a great job. It's a different look for him with that mm-hmm. accent. I think he had like bad teeth, I think, and things like that. Like he looked, but he was ripped. I know he was shredded. What is Holy. what does he do for a workout? I wonder for that body type. Yeah, he cannot be very big. I would be surprised that he is not a very big person in real life. For him to get down that with, do you know what I mean? Like he's he not must like yeah. Like is he doing push ups, pull ups? Because he's not doing like heavy I, weights. I bet it's probably, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably very body weight calisthenics. Right. Because it's, it's not bulky muscle. No. His fight club and snatch bodies were, and he's still very in shape now. He was even more shredded in this than he was in the fight club. He looks I like he so. stripped another three or four or 5% body fat off of himself. Yeah. He looked phenomenal yeah. in uh, fight club. There's that one iconic scene where he kind of turns around and they do all the lighting and his whole body's kind of. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. It brings butts in the seats. Uh... Like I said, uh, I'm not gay. At least I don't think I am. But even as a straight male, you can appreciate when a male 
is put together properly. Like you recognize, ah, I get it. I get yeah. why the girls slobber over this guy. And yeah, but it's funny how he was not quote unquote handsome in this film, in the sense he had the weird, you know, grubby clothes and unkept face and hair, but he sold just handsome. He can't, it's hard to unhandsome Brad Pitt. That's part of his charm though, is he can mm. be this like, I don't know if the dichotomy or whatever, like kind of a split grubby disheveled personality encapsulated mm. in the man in the room. He does a good job. Yeah. I mean, that's part of his movie charm, right? That's why he has the roles I, that he has. I don't think we've said it. Part of Brad Pitt's charm, like you're talking about, and this is a Brad Pitt episode, so it's good to talk about him as well, is that he doesn't seem conceited. He doesn't seem full of himself. Like he would have the, I would say the right or the ability to be that way. But despite his looks and his popularity and his talent, I don't you're, see him as a douche. You're very right. He seems very approachable. Like the walkway interviews and stuff when he yep, talks to reporters yep. on the fly. He's very fun and casual, down yep. to earth. I think he had a good upbringing with a mom, I think. I think there's some sort of story about his mom. So I'm not sure about the dad situation, but I th- seem to recall, I think he was raised right. I know it sounds cliche, but I think he was raised right. All right. Well, speaking of two different, very different roles, later in his career, he did World War Z. He had the longer hair in this film, if you remember, and he played the straight man in that sense of, he didn't look crazy or different like he does in Snatch. He portrays a worldwide zombie outbreak. The narrative feels even more relevant today, emphasizing a society overwhelmed by anger and collapse. This is a film by Mark Forster. It's an intense horror film that might not typically be cited for exceptional acting, yet Brad Pitt's portrayal of Jerry Lane, a former UN investigator, is undeniably compelling. Lane traverses the globe, seeking the zombie virus's origins and potential cure. Pitt injects vitality into the storyline. He masterfully embodies a poised yet pressured character, whether fiercely protecting his family or making tough decisions in dire situations. You'll recall, Jason, the climatic scenes within the World Health Organization facility. This scene stands out as the film's highlight. Here, Pitt's sharp presence navigates a suspenseful scenario reminiscent of a classic Hitchcockian intention. I remember that scene at the end of that film. Now, granted, this is one of those films where you could have any actor, male or female, kind of do Brad's role, and the film would probably still be a lot of fun. Okay. It would probably still be a very engaging, fun film. But it's just cool to see Brad Pitt in this film. Does that make sense? Because this isn't a snatch or some of the other films we've talked about. It's a standard fare in the sense. Yeah, it's it's very straightforward Hollywood like, fare. Right. Tom Cruise could have been in this role. Will Smith, Liam Neeson, even a lot of different actors could have you you name any kind of A class actor or even a B class actor could have been in this role and it would have been a fun film. But Brandon Fraser, sure. (laughs) Well, actually, yeah, maybe yeah, you know, like a you know a more in shape Brendan could have easily done the role. You know, yeah, because he's a good actor. That being said, though, when Brad's in it, it does elevate the picture. I think that's it did. the yeah, idea. It, it elevates it. It's cool just to see him do this type of film. It's like, oh, he's in a zombie? Brad Pitt's in a zombie film? It just makes it even better. Sure. That one scene in the WHO facility, that was intense. I quite enjoyed the movie. It was it was fun. Yeah. I mean, kind of on the premise, it seems like it's not really a movie that I mean I would naturally be attracted to or whatever, but it was an enjoyable movie. And sure, having Brad Pitt and his uh, ability to act in the, in the way that he does made it great. There was talk of a sequel. And it was so close, I think, to happening, but yeah, it just fell through. I think that's fine. I think there was actually a book sequel. This was based on a book, is my understanding. Right. 
think there was a book sequel too. So they, if they stuck to the source material like they did with this first one, I'm sure it might have been a decent film. But it, it didn't happen. I think at this point, it's, it's just not going to. But there you go, World War Z. And and I think maybe for the best. Honestly, sure. I, I I'm not sure as far as movies. Do you really want to do a part two to a zombie apocalyptic movie that seemed to have a resolution at the end? Now we're into David Fincher's The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Brad Pitt's portrayal of the main character stands out as one of his most daring performances, tackling the intricate role of a man who ages in reverse. Pitt delves deep into themes of love, happiness, and the complexities of experiencing life backward. His sensitive depiction, complemented by the touching dynamic with Kate Blanchett's Daisy, transcends mere visual effects. Recognized with an Oscar nomination for Best Actor, Pitt's portrayal resonates with audiences, evoking universal emotions and moments that tug at the heartstrings. This is a good movie. Oh, okay. oh this is an excellent movie. This is yeah. a very uh, challenging film to make. One you have to make in today's technology of film with the CGI and stuff. Obviously, he plays an old man baby and what have you. And yeah, very challenging. Kind of weird. It's kind of weird. It's different. And that's what David Fincher brings. So remember, it is a David Fincher film. He's worked with Brad a few times. We'll talk about those films later. I'm glad to see Brad work with David again, playing all these different ages and roles. And Kate Blanchett's in it, which I love. I, I love her. Yeah, I mean, to have her as his co-equal in this movie is great. She's a I like, stunner. She's a stunner. Yeah, she is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's a strong uh, actor. And having her being as good as him and as captivating as an audience watcher, you needed that because you don't want Brad to completely overshadow the story because the story includes so much of Kate Blanchett's character, Daisy. She can't mm-hmm. be anything lesser than Brad Pitt's character. It has to be convincing, yeah. right? Yeah, beautiful film, fun film. And one I got to re well, I think all these films I could be very easily watched again and be very happy to do so. But that's one I haven't seen in a while and I should reinvestigate. This next one, Jay, I'm surprised you've seen it. So I was happy to hear that you've seen it because, like uh-huh. I said at the beginning of the episode, there's a few of these that Jay hasn't seen. There's one that I haven't seen that Jay did. We'll get to that. But I was surprised when Jason said that he's seen this. This is Ad Astra. This is James Gray's thought provoking movie. Brad Pitt delivers a compelling performance as astronaut Roy McBride, skillfully portraying the character's internal struggles and profound emotions against the backdrop of space. Pitt masterfully conveys McBride's inner turmoil and restrained feelings with subtle intensity, serving as the film's emotional core. While the movie received limited recognition, including a lone nomination for sound, we'll just say there is a film later that we're going to talk about at the end of this list that came out at the same time well, obviously people will know what i'm talking about they know brad pitt's filmography they came out at the same time i think that that other film was so big and so huge and so amazing oh. for brad that this film was overshadowed unfortunately this is a very underrated film if you like sci-fi and drama and just good acting it's such a well film that looks good it's an understated film by brad it really fell under the radar i enjoyed the movie there was a little bit missing for me and i had nothing to do with brad right um i think sure. it had I more saying, to do yeah, yeah. There was something between it was his father, right? That was that he yeah. was. Yeah, I just didn't feel that interaction was as strong as it should have been. This list is sort of in order. I would almost say it's kind of in order, more or less of worst to best, so to speak. Especially as we get to the end, the final five films. But I think this film is definitely one of his most under 
underappreciated or overlooked film. Sure. This is one that people really need to take a look at. It's not quite interstellar level, but it's better than gravity. <laughs> I would say give it a whirl, folks. If you haven't seen it. I agree. It's not as good as interstellar. And I think they they were somewhat comparable. Yeah. And well, interstellar is interstellar. I mean, it's <laughs> when you go up against Christopher Nolan, uh, <laughs> sorry, that guy, I don't know what oh, the, yeah. that guy is. A, boy, he makes strong films. <laughs> yeah. And he writes his own films too, which is just, that guy is, He's a film genius. Well, maybe we should do a Christopher Nolan filmography one day, but that guy's a genius. It's, it's almost like the poor man's interstellar. However, Brad Pitt's acting, and it still looks like a great film. It looks good, but there's just, you're right, there's something missing, but Brad and his acting is not missing. Okay, Jay, the next one. In Terry Gilliam's intricate time travel dystopian narrative, Brad Pitt delivers a riveting portrayal of a frenetic, enigmatic character. His depiction captivates viewers as he oscillates between a deeply disturbed individual and someone possibly feigning madness. While Pitt previously attempted a gritty role in California, his inherent charisma remained evident. However, in 12 Monkeys, he successfully sheds his typical leading man image, showcasing versatility by fully immersing himself in a character that is both raw and captivating, demonstrating that his talent transcends traditional roles. I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton of this movie. Right. It's been a I long time. I think you and I probably both saw it when it came out type thing. And Yes. I would even suspect at this time, I would have seen this film. Again, I was starting to get familiar with Brad. I saw him in River Rose through it. Then I remember I saw him in California. So I was actually, I'm one of the early adopters of Brad, meaning I think I've seen every one of his films, minus a few, when they've come out. Like I have been following Brad's career for now for 35 years. I have been following his career. Like I've watched it. I saw River Runs Through It in the theaters before I even knew who Brad Pitt was. I, I literally saw that film because it just looked nice and aesthetically nice. And it was directed by, I actually saw it because it was directed by Robert Redford. I was more interested in that aspect of it. I saw this film, I think more because it was like a sci-fi or type time traveling trippy movie because uh, Bruce Willis was in it. I mean, this was the right. thing. Bruce was in it. And I was a big yeah. fan. I still am a big Bruce fan. I wish him well, of course, with his health issues, which is really sad. But at, at the time, and uh, of course, I was a, totally a Bruce fan. I saw it because of Bruce. And so when Brad was in it, I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's an interesting guy. So I think it was this film where I really started to think, this guy is an interesting actor. What do we have here type thing? Yeah, so I remember him just being kind of that crazy guy, like Cra as, as yeah. we described yeah, he was all over the place. Yeah, and he got recognized for it. Did you know, Jay, he actually won a Golden Globe for this role? No, I did not know yeah. that. In 1996, he took away Best Supporting Actor for 12 Monkeys. So this movie really, I think, solidified and catapulted him to his career. Hmm. And we should also mention, since we're talking about awards, we overlooked this because we both haven't seen The Big Short. Have you seen The Big Short? Or sorry, no. have you seen The Big Short? No, so I remember haven't. I said he did win. I love that Brad Pitt has a Best Picture Oscar. I think that's so cool for 12 Years of Slave. But he was actually nominated as well for The Big Short for Best Picture. So he almost had a chance to win it again. We're talking about all those acting roles, but Brad's got his finger on good producing of uh, films. So he's got his eye on, the, on good pictures too. So he's got an eye for that, for quality films. Yes, regarding the curious case of Benjamin Button, we failed to mention that. And for 12 Monkeys because we've talked about those two films. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for the Academy, but didn't win. But he was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but he did not win. Oh, he was nominated for Best Actor in that movie. Yeah. Who yeah, won? I would like to know who won that year. For 2009? Yeah. Oh, so that, that was 2009? 
Okay. Yeah. If you can already it feels like it was like two years ago, and it's like I know. So the for the nominations we have Richard Jenkins for The Visitor. Never saw that film. Frank Lagalla for Frost Nixon. He played the role of Richard Nixon. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Then we had Mickey Rourke for The Wrestler. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was two thousand. Wow. I know. It's already been fourteen years. Almost wow. fifteen years now. Then we had Brad Pitt for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. But the winner again. I really like this actor and like. It was for Sean Penn's portrayal of, uh, of Harvey Milk in the movie Milk. He plays a gay activist who got killed, right? So that's it has all those check boxes, so to speak. And Sean True. Penn really, Sean Penn's a great actor. Well, that's just it, too. Sean Penn playing a gay character who gets killed, a true story. And these other guys are playing fake characters. So to speak. That uh, checks a lot of boxes for yeah. the Academy. Sure. It's always curious to see. I would never pull up that movie in my mind. The, the Brad Pitt movie, which I'm obviously more familiar with, is one that I would think of before. But yeah, you, you pull that out and you're like, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. He just That's checks a, a lot of the boxes. Yeah. I'm sure Brad was very like, yeah, I get it when Sean won. And Mickey Rourke, okay. that was a strong performance for him. What a, yeah. what a role that was. Hard film to watch, but a great film. Okay. So the next one, Jay, I saw this film when it came out. Now, the first film I saw in the theater of Brad's was, of course, River Runs Through It. But I I saw this film before even that film. But at this time, I had no idea, no idea who Brad Pitt was. In this film, he was just the good-looking guy in the hotel. That's, of course, Thelma Louise. Brad wasn't in the film all that much, but he has such a memorable role playing JD. He stands as a beacon of genuine charm and innocence you know the famous scene where he's holding the blow dryer thamel louise navigated tumultuous journey and then jd emerges as a refreshingly chivalrous and appealing figure and this role helped catapult pit to stardom but it also showcases an undeniable charisma demonstrating a blend of attractiveness and authenticity pitt's portrayal of jd transcends the typical portrayal of a handsome working class figure his innate confidence and allure make the character both compelling and memorable solidifying Pitt's status as a captivating presence on screen. Thelma and Louise. Fun film, actually. It's a fun film directed by the late, great Tony Scott, I believe. Oh, really? Brother Ridley Scott, yeah. Just double check. Oh, sorry. My apologies. <laughs> Before people at me in the comments, my bad. It was actually directed by Ridley Scott. I got the wrong Scott. It was directed wow. by Ridley. Wow. That is a real Mandela effect. Has it always <laughs> been directed by Ridley? <laughs> Wow, that's a Mandela effect. I thought it was a Tony film. Okay, it was a Ridley film. Very cool. You know how Tony died, eh? No. So Tony's the brother of Ridley, both directors. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Tony did um, True Romance, Top Gun, a lot of fun films. He jumped off the Golden State Bridge. Oh, boy. Yeah, sad. Like, if you look at the cast, oh. so this is 1991. So this is early, early in Brad's career. Because if you look at the cast, Brad is one, two, three, four, five. Six. He's the seventh credit. So that's what I mean. He had a very small role, but it was yeah, such he a did role have a that, small. Yeah, he had a small yeah. role, but a, an important role. Yeah, uh, kind of fun. So look at that. Brad Pitt always surrounded himself by good directors, even in those early days. I'm glad I got this one, and you probably had no idea to assign me this but, particular Brad Pitt movie. In the grand narrative, Legends of the Fall, directed by Edward Zwick, Brad Pitt's portrayal of Tristan stands distinctively powerful. Pitt masterfully captures Tristan's rebellious spirit, vulnerability, and fervent passion within the context of a family drama set against the backdrop of World War I, alongside the stellar ensemble cast featuring Anthony Hopkins, Julie Ormond, Henry Thomas, and Aidan Quinn. Pitt's performance as Tristan, a complex character torn between love and duty, solidifies this role as a pivotal moment in his esteemed acting journey. I'm not one to watch many movies. 
more than once. This is maybe one of the movies I've seen more than any other movie of any movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is the first time I was introduced to Brad Pitt. I had no idea who he was. I remember going into the theater and could hear mm. people whispering Brad Pitt. I'm like, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. And a lot of them were girls. Sure. Um, sure. And I had no idea who this Brad Pitt was. And so the, all these girls were like giddy in yeah. the audience. One of the reasons I got a bit of a soft spot for this movie is because I went with a particular person that I quite liked. Mm. Yeah. So I've watched this movie uh, several times. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love the storyline. I'm a huge nerd for this film. Absolutely huge nerd for this film. I bought the soundtrack. I've listened to it a hundred times. Oh, I love. I, I will go online, Jason, on YouTube and listen to the soundtrack. Nice. Just listen. To, yeah, I love the soundtrack. Love the direction. Love the story. And, yeah, there's and just so much. And, so and the, much. The, the war the sequences and the love, the lost love. The, the yeah. Oh, yeah, I can geek out about this film. I mean, I'll take a couple minutes here just to geek out about it a little bit. Sure, no, I, yeah. I love this film so, so, so much. It's one of my, it's in my, well, easily top 10. I don't know where it stands right now. No, this film is peak everything that I like in a film. It has war, it has a westerns, it has horses, yes. it has the open fields, it has the soundtrack. It makes you cry, It makes, but it makes you like pained. It's, it's tragic. There's no yes, real happy tra- ending. The, yeah, yeah. Julia Armand is amazingly beautiful in this film the wonder of these all three brothers got her you know you got anthony hopkins uh you've got aiden quinn is amazing in it you got henry thomas from et the kid from et in it he was great in it and when he dies that sequence when he oh, dies he's caught in the barbed wire barbed wire brad pitt's response to that yeah he's pulling and him he's off the barbed wire and, and he has to then he stabs yeah. him to take him out of his misery what a powerful scene it's just so much in this film. It was such a great film that made me really appreciate the director, Edward Zwick, which he, before this, directed Glory. Yeah. Zwick did a few films that I'm a huge fan of. So I love his style. Glory was an amazing film. He, a Courage Under Fire, great film. The Siege is a fun film. Then The Last Samurai, Tom Cruise. Blood Diamond with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Defiance with Daniel Craig. So he's just done some incredible work with some incredible actors. He even did another Tom Cruise film. He did the sequel to Jack Reacher. He did part two, funny enough, with uh, Tom Cruise. So he's got a good working relationship with Tom Cruise. Really enjoyed Edward Zwick's films. Legend of the Fall. Fantastic, beautiful film. It's weird how critics will have their criticism of this film you go read reviews like i don't get it the 90s were really cool about these type of films films like i just mentioned like legends of the fall another one is like last of mohicans there's certain films in this area of time i don't know what it is with the sweeping soundtrack new dances with wolves there was this brave heart and then brave heart yeah there yeah exactly uh just to name a few of top right like the big sweeping epic dramas maybe they're bloated to a degree but i love them i love their length their soundtracks the acting the visceralness of them they don't make them like this anymore i know i can't believe i'm saying this but yeah there were some real special films late 80s and and mid 90s to mid 90s the character development of tristan it is it's it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it you gotta see it but but his ability to be so complex Yet yeah. he's very consistent too. Like the, there's a kernel of the same person from when he was a kid to the very end. He was always the same Tristan, but there's all the complexities throughout the years. But he never himself changed per se. This movie did not get enough awards. It did win an Academy Award for Best Cinematography. It won, so that's good because it really was amazing cinematography. Yeah, beautiful. But 
It got a few Golden Globe noms, but no wins. Edward Zulek for director, Brad for actor. So he did get nominated for best actor. So okay, can we see Brad. who won? I'd be curious. I want to see who won for that year for the Golden Globes. He was nominated for Golden Globe award. It was a Golden Globe. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, not okay. an Oscar. And then uh, lastly, James Horner was nominated for best original score. I can't even believe that didn't win. I, I cannot believe it wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. That score is, uh, anyways, it's so freaking annoying. Because when a score elevates a film, that's your best score. What one? This is out of curiosity. We're here. Google it. What one? For best score. The Golden Globe, at least. It was nominated for a Golden Globe, not even for uh, an Oscar. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Hans Zimmer for <laughs> The Lion King. That was a big year, actually. Look, he had Alan Silvestri. He did the Forrest Gump. So, big year. Who was nominated for actor then, if you're already there? For the Golden Globes? For actor? Uh, yeah, Golden Globes. Who was nominated then? Okay. So, for best performance in a motion picture you had oh my gosh look at these movies this is what i'm talking about jay morgan freeman for the shawshank oh, redemption boy. yeah like yeah, that movie yeah. like this is the the 90s man i'm telling you uh john travolta for pulp fiction <laughs> and then you have paul newman for nobody's fool brad pitt for legends of fall who won tom hanks for forrest gump what a year uh, so i mean forrest gump was in the 90s this is what i'm talking about these films were so good. And then for comedy or musical, you had, of course, Hugh Grant for Four Ways of Funeral. He won. But then he was up against Johnny Depp for Ed Wood, Arnold Schwarzenegger for Junior, and then Jim Carrey for The Mask. So here's your best directors. Robert Zemeckis for Forrest Gump. He won. Robert Redford for Quiz Show. Oliver Stone for Natural Born Killers. Quentin Tarantino for Pulp Fiction. Edward Zwick for Legends of the Fall. That was one year. That's unbelievable. Those are movies in one year. In the, the 90s, man. Whether they have watched those movies or not, everybody's familiar with the names of those yes. movies. Can now, you do that now, the, the five no, top I, films, and now I, I, know, I know. Who were the nominated films of last year? I bet no one can even name them, let, let alone, alone see them all. Like, or I saw who all won. those films. Yeah. So when I watched the award shows back in the mid 80s to, to the mid 90s, almost 2000s, I knew every film. I remember, like, this would have been the year that I would have been torn. Oh, I love Pulp Fiction. Oh, but Forrest Gump was so good. Like, I would have been torn. Like, I don't know who I want to win because I enjoy it for different reasons and different ways. I right. enjoyed these films immensely. Yeah. And if you didn't see a movie that won the best Oscar for the best film, they knew they were going to get a bump on the weekend afterwards. Yes. Because people yeah, would you go, had to go see it. Why? Like, why is this nominated? Nowadays, no one cares. It's last year, yeah, the uh, best picture. I talked about the best picture winner of last year, and I haven't even finished the film. I couldn't tell you what more, it is, and I, and I, and it I that everything, everything, it. everywhere at once, or whatever that one was. Okay, yeah, yeah, I was kind of bored, right? Weird, okay. Well, Jay, for the next one, you haven't seen, I would recommend you yeah. see it. It's kind of odd in its own weird way. I saw this in the theaters, I was at this point, I was now a Brad Pitt fan. I still probably went to the theaters not because of Brad, I don't think I was doing that yet. That would happen later. Did but you go for I Tom? I went for Tom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I love Tom Cruise. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I had you too. I don't so care if he jumps on couches. I don't care but if he jumps he, on yeah, couches. He just, well, I would jump on a couch for Katie Holmes. She's a fox. Like, give me a break. Yeah. So that being said, interview with a vampire. Talk about casting against type. Now, it's funny. Had I been a producer at the time. Now, I know Tom Cruise wanted to play Lestat the vampire. Was really a bad guy. And Brad Pitt's vampire was the torn he was the morally torn vampire i know tom wanted to play against type and good for him he wanted to expand his wings a little bit but i think tom would have been better served playing the emotionally torn vampire and brad pitt would have done a good job as the bad vampire but unfortunately lestet is the, the main vampire so that's the problem let's say brad and tom because they're, they're both a-list now right 
but Brad wasn't A-list, quite A-list then. He was, you know, no. second bill. He's second bill. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, so, by a long shot. Yeah, honestly. Tom was huge in the 90s. And, of course, St- Jerry yeah, Maguire and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, yeah. So he's the last of the old guard as far as yeah. Brad. Okay, so in Neil Jordan's interview with the vampire, Brad Pitt's depiction of Louis reveals his adeptness of portraying an intricate and tormented figure. As a contemplative vampire wrestling with the ethical dilemmas of eternal life, Pitt infuses the character with a haunting vulnerability, sharing the screen with Tom Cruise and the rising star at the time, Kirsten Dunst, who famously played the uh, child vampire in her famous line, I want more, when she's eating people. Through poignant expressions and nuanced acting, Pitt encapsulates the anguish of Louis, solidifying his reputation as an actor who can humanize even the most supernatural of roles. So Jay, Interview the Vampire, it's not the greatest film, but now watching it in today's eyes, you look back again, it's another 90s film where you have a great costume, set design. There's no real CGI, I don't think, at this time. Aesthetically, it's really good to look at, to see this old-style filmmaking compared to today. To see Brad Pitt and Tom play up against each other is really cool. And Tom does a great job playing it, but he's a good actor. I think if it was cast today, if all things were equal, and they're the same age in this film, as you know, I mean, if you could sure. pH them, I think Brad Pitt would be a more interesting bad guy than Tom. Honestly, Tom does a great job playing a bad guy like he did in uh, that movie where he plays the hitman, Collateral. Collateral. He was amazing. Oh, He's lo- amazing. I love that, that movie. Man, yeah. that's a good movie. When you see Tom, that full angry, scary Tom, yes. he plays a great intent. Yeah. Yes. But it didn't quite work for me in this as Tom is the bad. I don't know why. Still, I think he was almost too young. Maybe. Still. Maybe. I think yeah. Tom Cruise at the time they did Collateral would do it. I think now he could have done Yeah, yeah, you're right. At a bad guy. He can be a better you know, bad th- guy angry person now than he did then and brad pitt i think has the ability the chameleon like ability to yeah. do the bad guy then i mean if you think of even legends of the fall type of thing i think he had the ability to do that more naturally and i agree i have not having seen the movie but understanding the characters that they're playing i agree i think the swap would have been stronger for both of them yeah interesting but i recommend jay i mean all, all the ones you haven't seen there's a few coming up that you haven't seen for whatever reason which is fine i know because like, i don't know why that one just yeah i don't know why you didn't see that one in the 90s because you were of course this yeah you were young at the time or not young but you know i'm not sure i'm not sure what, why i didn't get into that i recommend seeing it might as well and i'll say that for every one of the films you haven't seen it Brad. and i was going to say the reason why you probably haven't seen some of his later ones is probably just like for me for example some films i just because of life you know we're both parents or work and jobs and then movies just kind of go away after t- like, yeah, oh, man, yeah. 10 years have gone by now and i've missed a lot of films in my adult life because of job kids and all the rest right we had more time as teenagers i think well even now like i, I want to see that movie uh napoleon gotta carve out some time you have to watch it in piecemeal. I'm going to watch that like a mini series i'm going to watch it one hour at a time yeah honestly which is fine you can do that you can remember where you are because it's like watching a tv show it's like previously on and always end like after like a scene or you know the next scene you go on with the characters like it's true jay this is a movie you've seen that i haven't i can't believe i haven't seen this one when you talk about the next one yeah so babel you know another movie that's you know almost a lifetime ago 2006 right so oh what the heck is going on time it still seems like a new <laughs> film to me. So Pitt delivers a riveting performance as Richard, a husband facing a challenging situation in a secluded area of Morocco. Pitt masterfully portrayed the sense of desperation and powerlessness that consumes Richard when confronted with uncontrollable circumstances, language obstacles, and cultural differences. His portrayal vividly captures Richard's escalating frustration and vulnerability 
especially in his poignant interactions with Kate Blanchett. They're together again yeah. in a movie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Though his performance earned him acclaim primarily at the Golden Globes, Pitt undeniably stands out in this ambition film. I know. I got to see this film because I really like the director. He's done some really cool stuff. For example, he did 21 Grams three years before Babel or Babel. Oh, yeah. I love that film with Sean Penn. They also had Naomi Watts, which I love. She's amazing. And then he did Birdman with uh, Michael oh. Keaton. Yeah, yeah, he directed that one. But then he did The Revenant with Leonardo, which is a freaking amazing film. Yeah, I mean, there's another movie. We're going to have to do a legal podcast, I think. Don't you think? I think you and I have seen a lot of his films, haven't we? Yeah. Boy, Revenant is a movie I've seen a couple of times. That's another movie yeah. I've seen a couple – not as many as Legends of the Fall, not even nearly. What a movie. Yes, the very similar elements, very similar storytelling uh, experience. Uh, boy, Leonardo DiCaprio, that guy can act. Yeah. He's insane. Of course, Tom Hardy's performance in that movie, The Revenant, was so good too. We had some really good actors today that we get to enjoy. We're lucky. Yeah. Back to yeah. Babel, it is a stressful – it's a is stressful it? movie, yeah. I mean, I don't recall, you know, right you details except for uh, how I was feeling, you know, because of the situation with his wife. Mm. And you feel, and you can I feel recall it. the trailer a little bit, yeah. And there's like that language barrier stuff. That's why it's called Babel because the Tower of Babel with the different languages. Yeah, yeah. there's some stress in oh. being able to deal with uh, his wife's circumstances. So I'll, oh, I'll leave it at that. Okay, well, it did very well at the Academy Awards as a film, not necessarily in the actress category, but just as a film, it. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and it won for Best Score. It looks oh. like it was a highly highly reviewed film. So this is one, Jay. I'm going to give the challenge okay, to myself. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> a yeah. challenge. Well, I'm challenging you to watch the other films you haven't seen. Though. i got to do it. Tomorrow. It's only fair that I challenge myself. All right. The next one. Of course, we know this one, Jay. Seven. Now, this is the film where I'm like, ah, Brad Pitt. Here we go. We talked about his notable appearances in Thelma Louise. We talked about his role in The River Runs Through and Legends of the Fall, and then his role in, in Interview with the Vampire. So in those earlier films, he struggled to fully integrate his natural charisma into his characters. Yet in this instance, Pitt truly shined. Effortlessly capturing attention in a straightforward, no-nonsense police role. Again, David Fincher's intricately designed thriller offers numerous compelling elements, primarily in its atmospheric crime scenes. And Kevin Spacey's meticulously unhinged portrayal and the suspenseful conclusion. We all know that what's in the box? What's in the box? In contrast, Pitt and Morgan Freeman portraying detectives on the case adopt a restrained noir style. Nevertheless, Pitt's portrayal in this film stands out as one of its most compelling and stylish interpretations of a law enforcement figure. I mean, can we not say enough good things about Seven? Yeah, it's a, it's a fabulous movie. Hard to watch. <laughs> Those crime scenes, remember that? Yeah, remember yeah. sloth <laughs> the, the, yeah. at the table, yeah, and lust. That lust scene, like, uh, you, you could hear the flies. I can yeah. still envision the sound of the flies in that scene. It's that ending. Brad's acting, we've memified that last part. You know, anytime you get a box, and someone says, What's in the box? <laughs> that line has been used a million times since, but when you watch that raw ending performance by brad and he doesn't know what to do we as an audience don't know what he's gonna do yeah he's holding his hand he's got his gun in his hand he's kind of half crying yeah, like, what do yeah, i do what yeah. do I? and kevin spacey's character got him he got him again another 90s 90s film jay and again we're thinking no he's not gonna pull the trigger spoiler guys spoiler he's not gonna kill this guy and, call, and he does he does this film goes against all the things you're supposed to think of film. The murderer wins in a way. He wins. He got he gets right. caught, but he got the cop in the end. And 
that was Gwyneth Paltrow's head in that box. And the fact that they didn't yeah. show it, that's amazing. You know, all that stuff is just so good and so well done. That last five minutes, you can watch on YouTube over and over again. Yeah, I mean, that whole scene of him with that box, I mean, that encapsulates the whole movie within the, those few minutes. Awesome film. Boy, yeah, awesome film. Jay, so a little bit of a different style, yeah. a little bit of different, different fresh different, air. Yeah, different crime scene. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven, right? Oh, yeah, Steven Sodenberg. Whatever happened yeah. to that dude? Beneath the intricate twists and turns yeah. of Steven Sodenberg's clever heist film lies a heartfelt love story while George Clooney's character, Danny Ocean, orchestrates an elaborate plan involving 11 partners to rob three Las Vegas casinos. His underlying motive is to win back his ex-wife, Julie Roberts, from the casino owner. Additionally, the film cleverly portrays a comedic depiction of male companionship. The underlying humor suggests that Danny and his primary accomplice, portrayed by Pitt, concoct this elaborate scheme mainly to maintain their laid-back demeanor. Pitt's effortless and casual demeanor, often appearing both aware and nonchalant, positions him as a modern-day emblem of the Rat Pack's cool confidence. It was fun to watch all these guys just with such confidence. Like they say, nonchalant, cool. They're all cool. George Clooney's cool. And then they're just having fun. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's how do I say this? You know, the comedy version of this is the the grown ups with Adam Sandler and his comedy group of friends. Yeah. So this is this is the same I mean that came out after this, of course, but this is the same idea. This is all the cool cats, the cool, good looking, good actors. I mean, not the case, of course, Adam Sandler and you know Kevin James. I'm just saying <laughs> but what I like about these films is that this is where Brad Pitt kind of gets to be Brad Pitt in the sense like I'm good looking, I'm suave, I'm cool. Even though he doesn't act this way, but he gets to kind of be what everyone thinks he almost should be. Yes. Could have been. Yes. Yeah. This is what we think he is in real life. Yeah, no, but we envision Brad. You think that this, this is how he would behave in real life. Right. In some ways, it oh, is actually probably. He is cool. He's, yeah, he's, he's cool. He's probably lighthearted. No, not conceited, but he's probably pretty lighthearted. You think this movie should have been either boring or silly or stupid or like, what are we doing here? But it's actually clever, well acted fun there's stress about the, the about the break and stuff and everyone just brings their a game and has a good time matt damon everyone's just having fun andy garcia's he was great right. and i liked him in it i even enjoyed julia roberts she was not annoying to watch that so might, i mean that's that might be the only movie yeah ocean's 11 fun films fun shows and they're all fun actually all three like they consistently kind of were just it's a fun trilogy it's actually just a lot of fun well you get george clooney he's got that comedic timing He's got that oh, yeah. coolness combined with Brad Pitt, combined with Julia Roberts being a, a strong female actor. It works quite easily, actually. But whatever happened to that Steven Sodenberg dude? He had two or three good movies, like really good movies. Yeah, he, he did Out of Sight with George Clooney was his big breakthrough. And that was Jennifer Lopez. And then he did Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts. Then he did Traffic. Traffic was amazing. Traffic, that's with Del Toro. Del Toro, yep. Dude, that's an amazing movie. Yep. Then he did Solaris with George Clooney, that kind of weird sci-fi one. Then he did Ocean's 12. Then 13. He did The Good German with Clooney, which is okay. Then he did Che Part 1 and Part 2, the films on Che with Benicio Del Toro, the Che character. Those are really good. Those are really good. And those See, that's and then what he, did, he needs to stick with is those I know. grits. The grit. He did. And it was amazing. I know. And then he did Contagion, which was okay, but became a big deal, of course, with the pandemic. But then he did the, the Magic Mike films, which is odd. And he's done some oh. other stuff. So he's still 
working and stuff. Still around, yeah. Yeah, he's still working. You guys see, he's got to stick with his way he does. The Chay films and the traffic films, the gritty, the gritty. Traffic. Holy, man. That's a gritty movie. That's tough. All right, Jay. The next one you haven't seen, I highly recommend it. It's The Tree of Life. It's directed by Terrence Malick, a really weird, enigmatic director himself. Just people can Google him and his career, which is a very odd career, but very cool director. For example, he's collaborated in recent years with Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and Colin Farrell. However, The Tree of Life transcends Malick's typical aesthetic of poetic visuals and evocative music. So that's his deal, Jay. He does these almost like poetic films. They're kind of hard to understand. They're not really a narrative type films. They're just more of a things are just kind of happening. And, he's just, and he literally just films for hundreds and hundreds of hours with his actors. It's kind of hard to explain. It's mm. like an art house type film, but they're beautiful to look at. But you're like, what's going on? Right. But the beauty of the tree of life is a very narrative film. It's one of his most narrative films. And he also did the thin red line, for example, which is another example of his narrative film. So when he's able to kind of combine like an actual narrative with his poetic he does very poetic dialogue too. It's portrayal uh, of a father in the 50s. It's a complex figure oscillating between deep reverence and a harsh and almost monstrous discipline. The character embodies a man suppressing his frustrations from societal constraints. Pitt masterfully brings forth this intricate persona, showcasing not only the profound love, but also the intimidating authority, illustrating their inseparable nature. It's also just a beautiful film to look at. It's just really cool to see Brad work with this very unique and Amongst actors, he's one of those directors that actors want to work with type directors. It's a beautiful film at the very least. I love this film. I've seen it quite a few times on my Blu-ray. I love The Tree of Life. I think you really need to see it, Jay. Can you tell me what year it came out? I think I may know why I didn't see it. It came out in 2011, so it's been a few years. I'm just going to see if it won any awards or got nominated. I'm just kind of curious. I think it did. For the big awards... It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Cinematography, yeah. and Best Director. It didn't win any of those categories, but that's fair. But it it was nominated. Who won Best Picture? Just out of curiosity, who won that year? For the winners, so the artist won. It was that comedy drama film that was black and white, the French film. But Brad was nominated that same year for a different film, which we'll, we're going to talk about very shortly. So that's why he wasn't nominated for this film. Though I could see him being nominated for, for this film had Brad not been part of another film the same year okay okay yeah. so yeah tree of life if you haven't seen it folks which i bet you many of the listeners haven't see that film it's actually very very good jay the next film talk about a very different film from the one we just talked yeah, about this one for sure you start reading through all the type of directors brad pitt is oh the, that's what uh, yeah he's worked with them yeah he's associated i hear here's another directing at least a directing duo here in joel and ethan cohen's often overlooked comedic masterpiece centered mm-hmm. on cia Intrigues and privacy breaches, Pitt portrays Chad, the most clueless character of his career, an oblivious personal trainer who mistakenly believes he's stumbled upon classified data on a CD. While some initially made lighthearted comments about Pitt's portrayal of a dim-witted fitness enthusiast, he delivers the role with comedic flair and astute awareness, humorously representing a broader theme of opportunistic individuals. So Burn After Reading, that's the the name of this movie, Burn After Reading. Another collaboration Uh, with George, too, by the way. George Clooney's in this film. Right. And to see him with Joel and Ethan, and of course they direct. Yeah, I love the Coen brothers. I love their films. I love their films. The perfect comedic timing, the perfect person to help direct, the perfect people to direct Brad in this type of movie. And Brad Pitt did play that dim-witted character perfectly. Again, we're just fawning over Brad, and that's why we're doing this. He's one of the best actors out there. Boy, he could have just been in comedic roles his whole career. 
He's very good at comedy. Yes, he is. That's what I'm trying to say. I think sometimes in certain movies, he can, he can kind of do both. That's why he's good is because think of going back to um, Snatch, right? Right. He can kind of be that comedic person, but, but also intense, be... though, in that same film. It was yeah. yeah. Like there's this weird balance that he is able to, to have. Yeah, I love his role of this guy. He gets killed in this film too, doesn't he? Doesn't he get shot and killed, I think? A lot of these films I got to see again. Just time, of course. It's always time, time, time. But I'm glad I've seen it. It's a fun film. I love the Coen Brother films. Very rarely do they provide a stinker of a film. They're just a dynamic duo as brothers. Now, this next one, Jay, you have not seen. But this is the no. film I was talking about where that same year, Tree of Life, this came out. And he was nominated for Best Actor for this film. Jay, you have to see this film. Yes, it's about baseball. But it's based on a true story. That is why. Just because of baseball? Yeah. In this film, Jay, Brad Pitt portrays a character's name, Billy Bean, who is a real person in real life, obviously. The yeah. innovative general manager of the Oakland A's, aiming to redefine team-building strategies. Pitt skillfully blends his signature swagger with nuanced traces of vulnerability. Billy, played by Brad, once a promising player himself, faces the challenge of reshaping the team using unconventional methods, delving deep into computer analysis. This approach leads him to recruit a roster of uniquely talented individuals each with their own strengths. Pitt, delivering sharp baseball-centric dialogues reminiscent of Bull Durham, crafts a character imbued with gritty determination and depth reminiscent of protagonists from 70 classic films. So again, I'm not a baseball watcher. I've never watched a full game in my life. I don't know anything about baseball analytics, but this is the sign of a good movie, Jay. I really recommend you see this just for Brad's mm. acting. That's what you're watching. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah, it's actually quite fascinating how they it's very out of the box thinking how this guy built this team around what what I just read about. At the very least, you're just watching an A-list actor doing some A-list acting. So this is the beginning of like now we know everybody knows about analytics, the statistical breakdown of any sport. It doesn't, it's not just baseball. So people have been able to identify the analytics. Let's say a player may not have the best stats per se as an individual, but where those particular stats that they might have, maybe they're a little bit stronger in one area, a little bit weaker in another, and then another player can dovetail into that person's stats. And you can build a team around these algorithms and stats you know what we call analytics of a team this is the beginning this is the, the kind of the, yeah. the genesis of those systems of looking at a team and go like we take advantage of specific analytics in each individual player yeah then we uh, have it's a really fascinating team. for that it's yes. really fascinating yeah. for that. and it's a true story too which is great yes and i think it was fairly faithful to the the source material i don't think i heard any kind of rumblings of like oh this no i think it of basically basically how it was done it was shown quite well in the film so yeah i i hadn't heard anything negative about the movie whatsoever it's just my interest level in that type of thing right is quite, i get it quite low. trust me trust yeah. me i understand i understand there's everything you're saying is legit this movie shouldn't be as popular as it was because i mean it did okay at the box office but it, it was critically acclaimed and did it fans, win best so, movie no it was nominated for oscars but it did not win any uh it was oh. best picture so again, yeah. Brad Pitt again. This is the third film that he was nominated for Best Picture as a producer. Good for him. He was nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor with Jonah Hill, Best Adaptive Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Mixing, but did not win anything at the Oscars. And for Golden Globes, it too was nominated, but didn't win Screenplay, Picture, and Best Actor, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill. Highly reviewed, very well received amongst critics. It just didn't win any of the majors, as they say. Right. All right, you got the next one. Inglorious Bastards. 
While Pitt has showcased his comedic prowess in films like Burn After Reading and True Romance, his portrayal of Lieutenant Aldo Rain, the rugged squad leader in Quentin Tarantino's World War II saga, is a distinctive blend of humor and grit. Yeah, he's able to blend them perfectly. Aldo's yeah. sharp-tongued remarks, such as the memorable line about not traversing continents and battling through Sicily just to educate Nazis, are delivered with Pitt's signature rustic accent. This portrayal paints Aldo as a backwoodsman seeing Nazi elimination as a hunting expedition. Yet beneath his savage exterior lies a strategic mind, making him an effective leader. Despite his brutal methods, Aldo's innate sense of justice shines through, especially when he etches swastikas as a mark of retribution, balancing both his ferocity and moral compass. Well, of course, this was written and directed by Quentin. Quentin Tarantino can make any actor be amazing with his script his direction. Quinn's scripts are so strong, you're lucky to be in his film because you will be better than you've ever been. Right. That's what happened here with Brad. Now you're taking Brad and putting him in the Quentin film. This will come to play later. But now we're seeing Brad at a level of acting and dialogue that you've just never seen Brad utter before. Brad at uttering Quentin dialogue is a treat to behold. This is a fantastic movie. It seems like, you know, on the outside of the outlook, like some of the commercials and stuff, like it might be too, looks a little bit too rough. I mean, it's a Quentin Tarantino, so it's going to be rough. There's, there's some rough scenes, yeah. Baseball bat scene alone. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they weren't long-lived, though. You know, dirty yes. but quick, right? They weren't yeah. drawn out, per se. A well-acted, obviously well-scripted, and Brad delivered his acting to the best of his ability, and, and it worked. I, I was a little bit apprehensive because I'm not really a blood guy, and I don't mm. like seeing people suffering, per se. Yeah, well-done movie. Beautiful movie. I loved it. Seen it numerous times. I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, and I, I love his stuff. Now, Jason hasn't seen this one. Jay, again, of course, you have to see this. The reason why I love this movie, I'm a huge Western fan. I love Western films as a genre. It's like one of the best. I love pretty much any Western I'll watch. I love Westerns. So having Brad Pitt in a full-blown Western playing a real-life person, for me, checks all those boxes. We have here him playing, quote-unquote, a bad guy again, Jesse James, in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. This is an amazing film. Pitt infuses his portrayal of iconic outlaw with a palpable aura of restrained danger. As the narrative unfolds, Pitt's prowess as an actor becomes evident. He captivates audience even in the moments of apparent stillness. Within Pitt's compelling portrayal lies an unspoken undercurrent of impending violence, a silent menace that speaks volumes without uttering a word. Jay, you really, really have to see this. Oh, there's another film we're going to talk about that I'm just going to get angry at you for, but we'll talk about later. This is Brad's underseen film of of the Western genre. Seeing him play a a film of the West was so cool, and I kind of wish he did more of these. Boy, he fits that look. The Assassination of Jesse James, great film. Really great film. Well, I did start watching it, and maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace. I did start. I probably got about 20 minutes in, and I just... That can happen. Yeah, you got to be... For whatever film you got to, yeah, go back. But yeah, I should reintroduce myself to it. The whole storyline, that is an intriguing story. I love well-done Westerns. I love the look of Westerns. And Casey uh, Affleck's I'm, in it? Yes, I know. And Casey Affleck. And, so good uh, and of course, He plays the coward. Yeah. And that shoots Jesse James. Spoiler alert, Jesse James got shot in the back, as the title said. <laughs> yeah, Casey Affleck's a great actor. Yeah. Uh, okay. Of course, you've seen the next one. More than once. Yeah. Absolutely love this movie, Fight Club. 
I mean, right. who can't love this movie, honestly? <laughs> Another movie with his grit and humor combined. Do you want to know who I saw this movie with for the first time? Oh, I know. We saw it with each other, with her parents, right? At least mom. Was it just mom, not dad? Okay. I think, yeah. I think it was both of them. I remember I was uncomfortable with a couple scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple scenes that... I still wouldn't want to watch it with them. <laughs> I had no idea there was a, like the inserting a certain clip into movies. <laughs> well, him opening the door with the rubber glove. Oh, <laughs> and all you hear is uh, him and um, yeah, Helen Bonham Carter's Helen Bonham character, yeah. character, and Ed Norton knocking on the door, and he <laughs> comes out with his rubber glove on. Brad said he said he just put that on. He he put that on on a whim. That wasn't in the script, I think. Oh, no, it was the, perfect. The, yeah. It was so good. <laughs> Why are you wearing a rubber glove while you're making love? It's like, oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> I love oh, it. Oh, man. This is a fantastic movie. Fight Club is fun. David Fincher film. It's that grit and humor that you're talking about. And even when you know the twist ending, it works on every level. Oh. Really no flaws in this film. When they start unraveling what's happened, you're just like, no way. Yeah. This is what's so good about this movie. And I, I don't want to give it away now because I want people to go see it. There's no way that you know that this is going to happen. No, 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 no. I don't think anyone could have caught it. You, even when you watch it again, knowing the twist, should I have known? Am I stupid? No, oh. it's just too smart. I don't think there's anyone that could I knew that. In that I, car scene? Could... Thinking about that and then the car scene when he's in like. The car let, scene, yeah. Let go no of the hands. Wheel. Yeah, the stressful man. That oh. is such stressful. That scene is so stressful. Little moments of Brad's acting, we haven't really talked about it, but the way he does his mouth, I don't know if we talked about his mouth. He has almost like a slight underbite. I don't know how to explain it, but something he does with his mouth, the way he yeah. talks with his underbite a little bit, I know yes. he's doing that on purpose, and I don't know yes. what he's doing there, but it's hard to explain. And then the one scene where he has his head shaved in Fight Club, and then he like rubs the top of his head. Yes. Mad at yes. I don't know what it is about that when he rubs he, the top he, of his head. I think that was probably ad lib. I don't know if that was in the script. The you know that it says Tyler Durden will now rub he the top just, of his head. And as the movie continued, and Tyler Durden's it's more maniacal character and, gets more and more, yeah, fanatical. Funniest scene was the when they first met in the plane when he talks about the soap. Yeah, and their whole interaction in that scene with him and Edward Norton, the dialogue was just so good. That is Brad Pitt's ability to have humor with the conflicted right. character. How can he become this Tyler Durden at the, the, at the in the movie that we know about? Yet he has that comedic ability even throughout the movie. Even at the most chaotic and destructive, there's still hints of that comedy. He does that well. And then, of course, Ed Norton in the movie, Helen Bottom, all of their interacting, and of course, the meatloaf, his cameo, and then you have Jared Leto. Yeah, yeah, oof, oof. Yeah, I, I know. Destroy, I wanted to destroy something beautiful. Oof. That's like, a tough scene. Where is that? That guy's come from like obscurity in that movie to like he more of a rock star now than he is an actor. I, don't I think know, so. He's, I th he's, he's able to he's, do both and do it well. He's done both. Yeah, he's, yeah. Pretty, he's pretty successful pretty band successful. guy. I love in yeah. band. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Not very many people can do both actors and no. singers. So. No. Uh, if you haven't seen Fight Club and you're a Brad Pitt fan, that's like saying you haven't seen Rocky and you like Stallone. I don't, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't imagine anyone hasn't seen this film. But all the movies we've talked about, this is the movie to see. There you go. Right. Very closely cool. followed by Legend of the Fall. I've seen Legend of the Fall more times than Fight Club. Sure, but this might 
completely different yeah. movies, completely different characters, and maybe that's why. But this is this last film, and I am saving, I think, the best for last regarding his acting. Really? That's what I'll say. I cannot stress enough how good this <laughs> film is. Once Upon a Time wow. in Hollywood, it's probably Quentin's boy. Look, I love the Kill Bill films, but if you're talking about, and I love Quentin films in general, I love all his films. It's, but if you're talking about filmmaking quality, just everything about this film, Leonardo DiCaprio's in this film. There's so many good actors in this film. I can't stress this enough. You have to see this film. So I'm going to be very careful not to give any way spoilers or anything like that effect. But Brad Pitt is at his Brad Pittiness in this film. It's essential viewing if you're a Brad Pitt fan. It's essential viewing if you are a Quentin Tarantino fan. And it's essential viewing if you like good films. Wow, okay. I can't oversell this film. There's a reason why Brad Pitt finally, ladies and gentlemen, finally won Best Actor. And I love how when he won Best Actor for this film, he thanked Leo as well. He says, Leo, if you ever want to work together again, <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. They work off each other so well. So I don't know if you know anything about this film. Basically, long story short, I won't get I do. I listened to a good portion of the oh. Audible book. Oh, okay. Because I was curious. Yeah. I'd rather listen to the book and then see the movie than see the movie and then read the book. That's okay, well, I then finish it. the book. I don't want to like shame you that's not my intent but this no, is, no 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 i I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear your uh your passion about this is it's actually quite nice to hear it encourages <sighs> me more to to give it the shot of course you have margot robbing this playing sharon tate leo and brad playing off each other like oh, i wish these guys were in more films together they're so good with each other right there is a scene where brad pitt's character goes to where bruce dern's character is living the dialogue and the stress and the coolness, how Brad Pitt's character resolves this issue, is just amazing. And then the final sequence, without giving anything away, Brad Pitt unleashes hell, and it's just amazing. I love this movie. This film is Quentin's most Quentinous because he is, a, of course, a film buff, a film nerd, and he loves Hollywood. So this is his love letter to Hollywood. And right. to the films of the past. Lastly, this is his ninth and second to last film. He's working on his final film right now. It breaks my heart. I think he's serious. I think Quentin's serious. He's retiring after his 10th film, which is called The Film Critic. It's going to be his last film. Sorry, it's called The Movie Critic. Because ah, I wish him and Brad would do more films together. But anyways, it is what it is. Do you know Jane. who's in that movie? I just got to care. Do you know who's in the movie? Uh, I don't think he's even done casting it, to be honest with you. He no, has a top, written. top secret. Right now. According to IMDb and Wikipedia, right now we have no cast, nothing. Right. So, yeah, he's still writing it. I guarantee you there are actors who are probably just – can you imagine you want to be in this final film, right? I suspect he has this. It's just not released. Yeah. It's under tight security. Okay. Jason, huge episode. We're not going to go through the whole list again. It doesn't matter. I already have my pick. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. I'm cheating. I don't care. I don't care, and I don't care because the pick is – the ones we've listed, which is the one that you can never see again. So you have to be willing to let go. You'll never see again, right? Right. That, that's kind of what I'm going to go with. He did amazing in all the films. So it's not even a question of which is his worst role. I don't think any of these roles he was bad at. So I will say the one of the lists that we did that I'd be okay never seeing again, Thelma Louise. I'd be happy if I went my whole life and never seen that film again, despite his fun role in it. It's an easy pick. Yeah, Thelma Louise. I'm cheating. I'm sorry. I, I can't sacrifice any of his other films. Maybe I threw that in there on purpose, folks. Maybe I did that on purpose because I cheated. Yeah. All right. I think we said everything we need to say about Brad. Big full episode. I'm looking forward to hearing people's thoughts on this. I hope people enjoyed our quick discussions about his career. 
Brad's 60 years old now. It sucks. We all got to get older. I still think he's got some good roles in him left. I mean, obviously, 60 is not 90, but we all got to get older, man. It just sucks. But yeah. All right, Brad, we love you. And uh, we look forward to the more films you have to give us. Remember, in front of every silver lining, there's a cloud. And today, it was Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm.